Coach Carey, what position will I play oh, in? Man. Coach Carey, what side is the right? <laughs> Coach Carey, where is the striker supposed to be? I mean, these are some of the questions that very natural. You, you're getting, and yeah. I'm getting as well sometimes, yeah. you know? Especially if you're a youth coach, you will hear these questions. They are they're really eager about playing, yeah. but sometimes then, you know, the, the excitement is a little bit too much, right? <laughs> which is, know, which it, is good. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. It's yeah. good. They are excited about playing. They're, they're so excited that they don't really hear <laughs> yeah. instructions very well or something yeah. like that. But So you have to repeat yourself. We had a tournament this weekend. That's right. Preseason tournament. And um, it was fun, you yeah. know. It was fun. Oh, it was. Tiring. It was tiring. Long yeah, days. Yeah. We woke up like six thirty a.m. to drive forty-five minutes to get to the soccer complex. Yeah. Uh, in the morning, and um, I love coming to soccer complexes or fields in the morning because um, the the sun had risen and. Um, you know, it's not too warm. It's still a little bit yeah. chilly. Yeah. And the the grass is still wet, and the people are kind of tired. And you know that, like in a couple hours, it's gonna be so hot. You will look for a shadow. But right now, man, it's it's beautiful to be here to start this day. Once you're there. Once well, first, you're there. first you have to actually wake up and get yourself up for it. Get I mean, it's easier it. to wake up for a tournament than go to school i mean for tournament yeah. i used to be fair. up early fix my breakfast check my bag put the music on and you know just like yes let's go you know but in your school days oh man you you just want to lay in your warm bed you don't want to go to school especially in sweden where you know it's so dark in the mornings or the winter time hmm. is like wait a minute is it still 3 a.m. 4 a.m. no yeah. it's like 7 a.m. you know what I mean hmm. um, but tell me a little bit your thoughts from this weekend well this was the first uh, series of competitive games that two of our teams went through mm-hmm. uh, like we had I can't remember if we mentioned it on the show or not but we had um, like a friendly inter-club sort of scrimmages a couple weeks ago. Right. Which was nice to get them to see 99. Yeah. But it was basically friendly, uh, a bit more relaxed. Maybe sometimes we could mix things up some. Uh, but this was our first preseason, the first competitive sort of series of games, yeah. like I said. So yeah. it was good to see them out there in a more competitive environment against um, of teams of the caliber that they'll be playing this this coming season. Uh, it was tough. It was tough, but um, I was really pleased with how hard not just the the girls worked, mm-hmm. the players worked, but also mm-hmm. the parents worked really hard. Yeah, I think we worked pretty we hard. Did. Just you know, we did. Uh, putting in all that effort for yeah. well, total us to total like seven games or so, or yeah. maybe more than that. I can't remember. Uh, over the entire weekend, so it was a lot of hard work and in the grueling sun. So I was really pleased with all the effort everyone put in. Especially, you know, the, the players, we have to give yeah. them big credit. It's pretty amazing how, uh, you know, I mean, you look so tired by playing one game, but they play multiple games over the weekend. And uh, kids don't really relax in between games. Mm. You know, like, 
they didn't tell us, but you could tell that they've been at the pool, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the movies or something, you know, they, they're not really relaxing or getting the energies back. But yet they've worked really hard and they had a strong will and um, fight it to the end. Even though the score might not be on their favor, they really put in the effort. And that is a very essential part in soccer right there. Mm. Uh, if you have that spirit, if you have that willingness, the rest is fixable. Yeah. You know, the yeah. technique, the shooting, the passing, all of that. Uh, fixable but if they don't show that desire or that yeah that will to to get better to keep going then there's nothing you can do about anything mm -hmm. all the the passing technique there's nothing you can do about that if they don't show that fighting spirit to begin with exactly how is your fighting spirit uh all depends <laughs> uh, I mean, like in games do you yeah. do you like uh, it's almost like you like put your uh, put out like a rocky face on you know what i mean like uh like do you, it happens do you... sometimes not that often no? rarely yeah but sometimes yeah I, especially if we are say if i'm in a game where i'm losing badly mm -hmm. then i want to at least then i'll feel like super inferior and maybe the team is just better than me and their players are just better than me and i can yeah. admit that but i don't want to feel i don't like feeling super inferior to to anyone else on the soccer field. I don't mind feeling, I guess this is bad, but I don't mind admitting when someone is better than me. Yeah. But I don't want to feel like, oh man, I'm an amateur and while well, these guys are essentially professionals. So then, so in that sort of sense, or that sort of situation, then I would be, I'd sort of get that rocky face and amp up my game and say, you know what? I deserve to be on the same field as you. Mm. Don't, don't, don't take me lightly. How do you think I am? Like, is it, do you think I am, uh, I mean, you should say, I feel like I, I, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely, uh, <laughs> you definitely have that fighting spirit from the beginning from to the, the start, end, right? From the beginning to the end, you're yeah. right, right? Yeah. Which is something this tournament that I think we got better at. Our girls got better at. Mm -hmm. They got that fighting spirit, but they needed to get it right from the beginning, right from the yeah. opening whistle. Which a couple times they learned that when if they don't match the intensity of the other team right from the beginning, right, that'll make things difficult for them. You, I think you do that right from the beginning and go all the way through. I don't think you want to admit to being second best to anybody. I don't think that's that's the impression I get. Is that correct or wrong? Uh, I think that's correct. I mean, like, uh, especially in a soccer <laughs> game. You know, like I, I expect and I hope that everybody gives them the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I myself try to show it when I play, you know, like or even as a coach. So I myself try to like raise up a little bit above of what I can do myself. Mm. And the, the, it's tough when you get tired and stuff, you know what I mean? Or... Um, when maybe my voice is too loud or I, I am too engaged in it mm. but really that is the fire in me mm. you know it kind of motivates me and uh, it's tough when uh, when your form is bad too I mean have you had any dips in your form yeah for sure yeah Definitely. how would you what's the difference between like a good form and bad form. Um, I'd say the biggest difference. It's mostly mental. I think the biggest difference is confidence. Yeah, I would say. 
that's once you're feeling good you have a good stretch of games you're confident you don't think twice about controlling that long ball straight out of the air or being able to beat a man quick and then make a pass or, or get yourself into good positions to score that stuff just sort of comes naturally without even thinking about it and or even once you do think about it you, it's like Every think, every movement, every yeah. thought, sorry, every yeah. thought or movement that you do, you know is going to put you in a, a beneficial spot, right. position. Whereas while your confidence is low, your form is down, then you're sort of, you. it may not even be for that long, I think. You may not even think on something for very long. Yeah. But it's still a split second too. Split long. second, right? A split second too long yeah. that you need to be, then you need to be thinking yeah. about it, mulling yeah. it over. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, that insecurity kind of gives you like what they call second thought, right? Yeah. And uh, um, always when I play soccer, I don't really have it. Like, uh, of course, I had bad forms, mm. and bad forms for me was usually more about like I didn't feel the confidence from my coach, so I didn't feel the confidence to be able to do it. But when I played myself, it was you know, almost like a relief for me. Um, but on the outside of the pitch, I've been very insecure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been very, like, uh, let's say that I said something and I would be like, oh man, what, why did you say that? That was awkward. Or I was talking to someone and they would say something and I would think that it was about me. Or... Um, in cases and situations where I usually would say something, I didn't say. So I really been in the lowest, lowest part of insecurity, mm-hmm. which leads to like a uh, kind of like. I mean, you don't recognize yourself. You don't. You don't know yourself anymore, and mm-hmm. that kind of increases that that insecurity even more. So you're like, I mean, nobody would. You know, you like, wait a minute, I mean, you should be this confident guy, and now you cannot even look in someone's eyes and ask for, you know, buy something or whatever, right? Like, you have a hard time to be social. And uh, when it comes to soccer, that's always kind of saved me. And at this game, at this tournament, I really felt like there was a new shift, like, there was a real new change. Mm. You, you remember the last game, right? When Not the last game, but the, the game before the last game. When we had a, a little bit issue with, um, a little bit issue with uh, the parents. Not yes. the parents, but the, the players wouldn't show up. So we might be in eight or nine players in the game. Mm. And we had to deal with it. So what I did was... Uh, I just went after the game to talk to all the parents and I gathered them and I was like, okay, listen up. It's hard for us coaches to say no to players that have a reason to be absent. I mean, you know, if you, if you're going to spend time with your family, family is the most important, right? And if you're sick, number one thing in life is health. We cannot say, come on, you have to show up. If you have interest for another sport and cannot attend, I'm not the one that's going to tell you what to do, right? And uh, we said also, like, good coaches, leaders, like, you know, it's 
a little bit our fault too but we want to have a parents meeting where we can address all of this so we all can move forward in the right way and for me I went up there without thinking I just went into that group without like okay have that second thought that we mentioned yeah so uh, with some kind of confident I managed to not even be this insecure that I remember I've been in the lowest part like trust me I've been in the lowest lowest part but in this courage I found like a security and a trust in myself and when you're not having it everything goes against you you know what I mean yeah and it's sometimes it's good to go in straight into uh, mm-hmm straight into it you know without thinking much because yeah you know how often whenever you prepare speeches or something right it doesn't always plan out go out exactly as you you planned it beforehand so sometimes it's nice to just go in with like a with a fresh mind willing to accept anything but i want to ask you yes um have you ever in soccer or whatever uh, have you ever gotten that pressure from has anyone particularly put you under that pressure or any group of people have you i don't know if, you, if your games you had like fans yeah or anything like that or yeah maybe parents yeah uh, your parents or parents of your teammates or anything like that yeah. put you under that sort of pressure made you doubt yourself no good never really um they always been supportive actually good it's more that i never felt uh, more of the pressure from the coach to you have to perform in order to play. If you don't perform, then you will be kind of like criticized or you will be pointed at that it was obviously not my fault, but it was my fault that we didn't actually score or went forward, you know what I mean? Mm. So not that everything was on my weight. There was other players in the team too, but it was a, I was an easy target to point at. Okay. And something was slacking and um, you know I, I can't believe how strong I was back then to to just re-motivate myself re-motivate myself you know but at this tournament man I was very happy to experience this because uh, to be here now feels really good and that's something when you recognize something like that you should be able to give yourself credit and be proud over it yeah and uh, maybe it's something with the solar eclipse to do huh <laughs> i mean what is the solar eclipse have you watched heroes no no oh. in heroes when like the day is that a movie that's a, a TV, tv show, show? was pretty popular oh. but the day they you know became heroes it was a solar eclipse what is what can we say this solar eclipse means to us well, or what does it mean to you? <laughs> I don't know yet. Maybe it was neat to see. Even we just got the partial part. But I mean, that was pretty neat to see. Yeah. But nothing I can say right now. But maybe that's something that mm. will come in the future. Will be evident in the future. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow some big change will happen. Maybe the change has already happened. And I haven't realized it yet. But perhaps the solar eclipse did signify something new. I bet definitely for those... That's like I know a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of 
people from our team, from, yeah. like girls that we coached, from friends, from outside soccer, whatnot, yeah. did go to see uh, the full eclipse. Right. And I, I mean, just seeing a site like that, I'm yeah. sure, uh, is something that they'll never forget. And maybe it's something significant did change uh, in them once they saw it. I hope so too, and I believe so too. And well, I guess it's remained to be seen, huh? That's right. That's right. Exciting. Oh yeah, oh, something to man. look forward to. Oh man, let's <laughs> do it. And guys, with that said, we appreciated that you are here with us. And welcome to the second episode of the Oscar and King Soccer Podcast Show. I got all the answers to your questions. I'll be the teacher, you could be the lesson. I'll be the preacher, you be the confession. I'll be the quick relief to while you're stressing. It's a thin line between love and hate. Is you really real or is you really fake? I'm a soldier standing on my feet No surrender and I won't retreat Stand up now and face the sun Won't hide my tail, I'll turn and run It's time to do what must be done Be a king when kingdom come You suck! Come on, put a tackle in! Man, you can't do anything, can you? What are we paying you for? Come on, man, what are you doing? Get off, send him off, take him off the field! So bad, dude. He's such a disappointment. Every time, it's the same shit! I've used up all of my repertoire. <laughs> Make not a good pass for once. Good one, that's not bad. No, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Come on, make a pass for once. Man, put him on the bench. Come on, man. This is so ridiculous. Time and time again, right? Always, right? I keep hearing this type of chants, this type of comments, this type of people behind the computers writing this, and so strictly directed to one player. And this is kind of the life where some players live with. They get this type of comments and hate or it's not really hate behind it it's more like frustration behind it a frustration that they don't perform they don't do well enough and they basically want more from them yeah yeah i mean fans want to see all their players giving a hundred percent uh doing whatever it takes for the team and they know as well even though it's not necessarily coming out of the fans pockets they know that their team is paying big money for a lot of athletes now these right. days and they want to see they want to see them get their bang for the buck they want players to perform make it seem like his money well spent exactly and they're paying money to for the transportation to get the tickets to buy something at the games so they want back a little bit more pleasure a little bit more you know the happiness that they get from winning games yeah. so once you know you see a player that has or has already a high salary and maybe even wants more um doesn't really perform in their eyes it, it, it is a unfortunate clash yeah, yeah. It, it's a bit of disappointment and you also touched on it fans don't want to go spend their hard work hard earned money to be disappointed especially if it's a con on a consistent basis they don't want to mm. see one player or two players however many 
however many constantly underperforming and just frustrating and disappointing the fans. So especially away games, right? Because that takes a little bit more time. Yeah, a little right, bit more. Right. You know, they have to plan a little bit more. Yeah, and a little bit more hope also when they get to go to away games, like they can get those three points away and uh, travel back. Is turning from frustration to anger, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But soccer man is a team sport. Mm. It's not just one player that is gonna save it for you. It's a collaboration between eleven players on the same team, including the goalie. So, what do you think about directing criticism to one player? I believe it is. It's a part of the game. Yes, you get it everywhere, no matter what. Like if you're offer or if you're actress. True. You true. still yes. get some criticism. Exactly. Not even just in sports. Yeah. But uh, strictly sports speaking, you're definitely going to get it from particularly opposing fans. Mm-hmm. But even once you get it from your own fans, I think it's understandable once you take all the the, the we just said all the fans' perspective into account. Um, that being said, I think a lot of the time, fans, pundits, whoever, don't, don't take everything into account from the player's perspective. Okay. And... Like what? What do you mean? Well, I mean, (laughs) players should, they should, I think players nowadays in particular expect it, Mm -hmm. and maybe they prepare for it in some way, so that they don't let it get to them, but... I mean, having these players, having these fans constantly hounding them, having their own fans constantly yeah. hounding them and insulting yeah. them can't help. Can't help. Generally doesn't no. help them get no. any better. I mean, what what I see is that there is a almost like a cloud of insecurity coming over you. Like, now you're getting a little bit afraid of making a mispass. Because yeah. you know, like, if you make a bad pass or you do something that is not really if you do something that is not that good you will hear so much stuff yeah and while you're in the soccer game i know like i've been i've been i've been insecure on a soccer pitch i have my ups and downs in form and in confidence on the pitch yeah so when you have a insecurity around you you are less courage right you know what i mean you you are a little bit more hesitating on making a move and take the shot and make that final pass because you you are afraid that it's not going to happen, basically. Also, the price tag that a lot of players go by. Mm-hmm. And some players, yeah, they ask for it. They're saying, hey, I deserve to be... I deserve to be to go for this much or I deserve to to be paid this amount of money. So they sort of bring all this pressure onto themselves. Mm-hmm. But... The amounts of money that they're being paid, the amounts of money that they were sold for, mm-hmm. uh, that probably plays on their mind a bit as well. They realize, okay, I'm a big name player for this team. I have to step up and yeah. be a leader for this team, and so that 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 brings on additional pressure that the fans, the fan, uh, in addition to the fans, what the fans say. I mean, especially in a team that you need a star player. I mean, if yeah. you look at most of the teams, right? majority of the teams have at least one or two star players mm. even teams like West Ham West Ham have now 
Chigarito, Anatovich, right. and Joe Hart. Like, not superstar, like, not star, but players that will show up, players that will perform. Players uh, that are expected, expected to. to perform, yeah. right? And uh, those players have a little bit more pressure on them from the fans. It's understandable because they are very talented. They have proven themselves and the hopes of getting the three points are a little bit on them, right? Yeah. And I guess that's another, thinking back to the fans' perspective again, I suppose that's another reason why they're so disappointed because they... Who? From the fans. Okay. Uh, I you said fans. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they see, they've seen what this player can do in the past for other clubs and seen them perform at a high level week in week out doing some spectacular things with the ball so they once they go for big money to their own club they expect to for that to continue they mm-hmm. expect the player to just bring that form mm-hmm. from the previous club into their mm-hmm. new club and once they don't see that then they 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 you know they start to question what is it about us what is it about our club uh what is it about this league why can't you do what you did here or there over here so interesting and uh, i want to kind of continue with fans or supporters right mm-hmm. and we want to support and we want to uplift the players we want to give them good energy we want to give them motivation and keep going and that that is so hard then after all of this that we just talked about, right? Yeah. You know, you lose a game or they don't do it well. And it's hard to like, in yourself to say like, okay, he had a bad day. Okay. He didn't do that good. All right. That's fine. Next time. Come on, man. You can do it next time. Right. Like we, we don't really let go of that or turn it around to instead like showing a support. I mean, some do, don't get me wrong. That's what we try to do here too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that is so hard for for fans to uh, do. But I don't I don't blame some fans, like Arsenal, Arsenal fans, for the last decade. Yeah, not like last season or two seasons or four seasons. The last decade or eleven years. It's been going the same things over and over and over again. Right. So obviously it's hard to turn around such a negative spiral if the club doesn't get a success. Now the contrast has been bigger than ever. Instead of like really supporting the team or supporting the players and uplift them, we are very hard immediately now. Yeah. And we talked about this last season. Yeah. That this was the... Or even at the preseason episodes, right? Mm. That this will be the risk that Arsenal looking at. As soon as they lose a game where they should have won, they will hear a lot of criticism. Right. Not only from fans, but also from TV pundits. And uh, to change that, we kind of spoke about... Well, we have to get rid of Arsene Wenger, even though we have such a respect what he has done for the club. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get rid of him, this is what Arsenal is facing. And this weekend, Arsenal lost against Stoke away, right? One zero, goal by Hesse that that apparently just had made one 
practice with the team, but in this game, he really showed that he is a player that played with, you know, Real Madrid and PSG and is a quality player. Yeah. And together with, you know, a strong, determined Stoke, mm-hmm. they won at home. Right. Right. I mean, fans from Stoke will see the signing of Hesse, uh, at a new club. We're early on the season, just two weeks in, and I didn't know the thing about the. Apparently, he's only practiced with them once, but yeah. uh, uh, early on in the season, and immediately they get some sort of impact from uh-huh. a positive impact from a new player, and hopefully for them they can keep that up. Hopefully for Hesse, he can keep that up. Yes, Arsenal what happened with Lacazette in preseason. He played well. During the first game of the season, Premier League season, he scored after two minutes. Yes. So instantly all the positives went up Yeah. around Arsenal, around the whole club. Like, okay, you know, Lacazette's doing well. Wenger maybe has got the boys mm-hmm. motivated. Yeah. And things are looking up for the club. But then as soon as the second game, again, that's the second game. Second game. They're so second early game. on, but... Yeah. With his loss to Stoke, who Arsenal haven't done well against in a long time. Yeah. Away. Um, it's a hard team to play against. They are. They are to their credit. Yeah. This wasn't. This game wasn't the typical cold, wet, rainy sort of windy sort of day at Stoke that people always they like to uh, stereotypically bring up. This was actually a sunny, beautiful day. I think. And I think it was but... the first home game too. <laughs> Another loss away to Stoke, and instantly all of the all of the positives that were built up from preseason from the first game are back down again, and people say, you know. Like a bubble. Yeah, yeah. You blow a bubble yeah. and then poof, it's gone, right? That's right. That's right. Bubbles are fleeting as well, aren't they? They're beautiful too. They're beautiful. It's nice to see. Really cool. It makes you happy. For about five seconds. Seconds. And then they yeah, pop. They pop. It's all man. gone. All gone. Uh, <laughs> but let me ask you a question, Kerry. Let me ask you a question. I, I wonder, how would you, with this Arsenal team, right? How would you start? The lineup? Lineup, yes. Um, taking into account all the people they had available, because like Koscielny was injured, Mertesacker, I think he was, he was injured the first game, but I think he he was available for this game. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have started him. I okay. would have started Mustafi, who mm-hmm. missed the first game, in that center of the three okay. defenders. Uh, Montreal on the left. Yeah. And I would have put Rob Holding on the right. Okay. Um, and then Kolasinac, as like the left wing back, and... The real preference between Bellerin and Chamberlain, Oxley Chamberlain on the right wing back position. I get it. They kind of perform the same high, yeah. same level. I was gonna say high, but <laughs> I, I guess if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would probably would put Bellerin there. Yeah, me too. Um, just because of his his capabilities, both offensively and defensively, mm-hmm. I think are pretty even, pretty balanced. And then in the middle, I would have had Shaka. Um, Ram, Shaka, Ozil, and I can't decide between Ramsey and Elneny. Honestly, they're very different players. But I mean, I liked what Elneny and Shaka did in the first game. Like, I thought they had a collaboration and partnership there that we haven't seen at Arsenal in a while. True, but I think that once Ramsey came on instead of Elneny after yeah. the first game, Ramsey is much willing to take more much more willing to take 
risks and go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe do something. Chances. You create chances. Yeah. I think Elneny, which isn't always a bad thing, but he plays it much more safe. Um, but then again, playing on an away game to a good Stoke team, maybe you want to play safe. You don't necessarily want to take risks. So, sure, I'll, I'll throw Elneny in to start with. Um, no, I won't. Actually, I'll throw Ramsey to start with. Right. <laughs> so, coach. Ramsey, Shaka, and Ozil, and then Welbeck and Lacazette. Cool. Up front. That's the start, right? Yeah. So, how did Wenger start? Well, he had Monreal in the middle. Left was... back as a central defender in the middle with yeah. three defenders. Which he did the first game mm-hmm. because of all the injuries. Right. And he, Monreal played okay the first game. Maybe Wenger thought he'd keep it going. But once you have a healthy Mustafi and Mertesacker, I would put them in their natural yeah. position. Kolasinac was in the left middle. Yes. Right? Um, left. Left back. central defender. Yeah. Um, and Mustafi on the right. Mm-hmm. And then he had Bellerin play... He had Chamberlain play left back the first game, left wing right. back. Sorry, the first game, and which was kind of unnatural for him, but he did. He played pretty well. This time he had Chamberlain on the right and Bellerin on the left. I don't know if Bellerin's ever played on the left side before. Now you've seen him there. Um, and he had Shaka and Ramsey, Özil, Welbeck, and Lacazette, hmm. and very, you know, in the second half he subbed out Lacazette and put in Giroud. Mm. And he, yeah, so that Lacazette. Yeah. Why? Why did he sub out Lacazette? Right. This is the question that we're all asking. Like, why? And uh, you know what we want to know, basically. And it's hard. We don't want to. We can't ask tactics, right? Because why would they give away tactics? But we should be able to ask questions that tells the motives behind some changes or some positions that Wenger decides to play these players in. We should know, we should know why did you decide to put Mondra as a defender, central defender? Mm. Why did you decide to take out Lacazette instead of Welbeck? And uh, these are like fair questions to be asked of anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he doesn't have to answer to them, you know. They barely uh, do, but yeah, we don't like. I cannot come up with any really reason, you know. I, I don't, you know, like sometimes you can be like, Oh, okay, yeah, they want to do this tactic and they want to use this way, and it was a good idea to put him there. Or you can come up with some type of theory, like, I cannot come up with it. And this, I don't know, ambiguity can you say that? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like makes me also upset like beforehand when i saw the line and i was i was surprised because it was a big change from the first game against leicester and against leicester we did well however they scored a lot of goals true true so you know looking at what happened after the game mesut ozel got a lot of criticism yeah which he always does unfortunately or not always but a lot of the time. A lot does. of the time. Yeah. They point the fingers at him. Yeah. Whenever Arsenal doesn't do well, he's probably the first to blame. Let me... After Wenger, maybe. <laughs> no, together, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, have you heard what Gerard and Martin Keon said about Ozil after the game? No, I have not. It's not, it's not pretty. I mean, it's not something you want to hear, really. Like, it's a little bit harsh. 
you know? I mean, I, it would hurt me if I heard them, you know what I mean? So, let's take a look at what they said. Listen, I, I, you're talking about your Burkamps and your Omri's and your Vieiras and all these guys, they give you everything in the game, both sides of the game. They put their foot in and they can play. Arsenal can't afford to carry someone like Ozil. Yeah. Today, he wants to have a good look at himself. Yeah, he's not kidding man. us watching the game. It's not real. He felt like he was going through the motions today a lot of the time. And I think there in the goal that they concede shows that. If he has a quick reaction, he can get back into position and help Xhaka, but he doesn't react quick enough. We've said this about him a hundred times. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, Arsene Wenger's got to address it because out of possession, you're a man down. If you've got a man who doesn't fancy running back and busting a gut and doing dirty work, out of possession, you're a man down. He wants him to create. He wants him to get on the ball and create chances and do things, you know, to win matches. And he'll accept, maybe wrongly so, but he'll accept the fact that he doesn't really want to work hard for the team. For me, if I was playing in that team, I, I would find it very difficult not to... Will Wenger accept that performance today? No, it's not acceptable. I mean, Arsene Wenger hates losing, he said that. But he doesn't... It's a collective thing with Arsene Wenger. He doesn't point the finger at any one individual. But I feel there that today Ozil should be doing more for his team. He needs to have a good look at himself because if he wants to get away from the football club, he's not going to do it in this month. Wenger will make him sit it out to the rest of the season. So while he's here at Arsenal Football Club, he needs to apply himself in the right way and give an Arsenal-like performance. Does that look like a player that doesn't want to be at Arsenal? Look, you can't just point the finger just at Meza Ozil for that result. But it's clear to see that out of possession, he doesn't want to know. He only wants to be on the ball. He only trying to create. He only wants to make things happen. Now, world-class players do both. They still try and get on the ball. They're still excellent in possession. But when they lose it, they put a shift in for the teammates. Harsh criticism, to be sure. Uh, unfortunately, it's not something that we or I'm unused to hearing, mm -hmm. when, especially when it comes to Ozil and other players as well. But, I mean, whenever, like you said, whenever Ozil... Whenever Arsenal don't do well, Ozil's always the first to be blamed because of either his passing, which normally is excellent, either yeah. wasn't good enough occasionally, or because of his body language or his work rates off the ball is lacking, whatever it is. But I hear this quite often from pundits around the world, especially when talking about Ozil, unfortunately. I know you follow. Mm-hmm. Arsenal's what Arsenal US fan yeah. page yeah and even Sweden yeah Arsenal and Sweden too yeah I'm curious to hear what what some fans are thinking because we know especially right now the fan base around Wenger and around the club as a whole the fan base is so divided yeah I'm curious to hear what some fans think of of Ozil or what they thought of this past performance in general I mean should we take a look at it yeah yeah I think so Okay, I'm on the Arsenal America Facebook page, and um, someone asked, someone wrote, someone wrote, basically, someone wrote, is it time to send Ozil a message by sending him the next match? Let Ramsey play forward in his spot. Ramsey is a better player forward than he's playing right above the back line. Ozil has been invisible in both matches so far, and Ramsey plays terrific when he's playing the 10 spot for Wales. If Ozzy wants to be paid infinite for his work, he can't be invisible for half a month plus. Lemsey, let Ramsey play in his spot to start next week. Ozzy has been idle for a stroll thus far. And the comments on this man is... 
So someone said, I think he did fine today about Ozil, right? He has put in a shift both games. Today was one of those days where we dominated and nothing worked. We gave up only one goal, so I'm not even upset about our defending. I'm not ready to start over analyzing based on one loss, especially since we dominated possession. Let this happen more often, and that's another story, but we looked pretty lively in attack. Frustrating game, but we threw everything at them. I thought someone a different comment. I thought the attack went around him and not often threw him today. I might be wrong, but I didn't see him very active in our possession. And then, you know, interesting. And, you know, when I look around here, people are more saying that how can you put the blame on Ozil? You know, it's, uh, it's not like he's, uh, you know, he was more like the chances we didn't take. Mm. Uh, he created actually the chances and someone asked the question and by what measures are we supposed to define what the best play on the pitch means which I think is a good question yeah so let me ask that question to you uh, or let's together have a discussion about it what is what makes a player a good the best player on the pitch exactly how do we define that's because obviously the opinions are so different. Yeah, you know, some think that he's bad, some think he's really good. Yeah, and it's interesting how people can have so many different opinions about a player that when we all watch the same, right? Yeah. So what can we come up with? What factors should we come up with that people can say, okay? At least three factors, okay. That you need to look at these three factors. If he passed this, then he did good. If he didn't, then he went bad. You want me to come up with these three? Factors? No, no, we can come up with together. Mm-hmm. Tough. I find it, I do find it interesting. <laughs> the I mean, we have one person saying, some people saying, let's drop Ozil and put Ramsey in that spot. He'll do more for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other people saying everything goes through Ozil, so we can't we can't drop him because he's the pulse of the team in a way i definitely agree with that one guy that said um let's not panic so much yes it was yeah. only the second game yeah defense overall was okay yeah uh and the game we dominated for the most part offensively yeah i mean look back at the game we haven't even mentioned how arsenal did have two penalty claims mm-hmm. good pen- that should have been penalties mm-hmm. probably in my opinion maybe i'm biased but uh, I am biased, but uh, <laughs> I think two two penalty claims that should have been penalties, plus a goal that was, I guess, rightly given for called back for offside. But man, it was it close. Was it close? And you could very easily have seen someone a ref give that allow that goal. Whoa, whoa, okay. B- before you before you tell those three mm-hmm. factors that fans and pundits or experts should look at according to you or us right um this offside goal was also pretty interesting because and a lot of people said that it was not offside and it should have been gold but graham paul mm. what do we have on graham paul former top class top class Premier yeah. League referee, yeah and he is like Definitely, work. I'm not sure exactly his role, but he's definitely working within the referee mm. uh, community. <laughs> community in Premier League, right? Uh, but he's also expert 
Yeah. So they call him in situations like this. And uh, again, Gerard and Martin Keon, they had uh, one idea of what it should be. And Grand Paul had the total opposite idea. And they, in the studio, kind of like argumenting against each other back and forth. And Gerard and the pundits say that it should not be upside. While mm. this referee with years of experience says that he was upside. So let's just quickly hear about that discussion. What happened to the advantage been given to, to the centre forward? I mean, Arsenal there, and Lacazette, that is a great finish. And that goal should have counted for me today. Onside or offside? It's onside because if there's no advantage there to the front man, what is? What is this rule that's out there? You know, the advantage should go to the front man because for me, there's only really his foot or half of his foot offside. That's offside though, Stephen. Why? Why? So where's the advantage to the front man if that's offside? Because if it's level, the advantage, I think, goes. Let's speak to Graham Paul. Graham, clear this up for us, this conversation about when you favour the striker. Mm -hmm. Half a foot is offside. Is that offside? Yeah, any, any part of the body that can play the football legally, and a foot clearly is one of those things, if that's nearer the goal than the second rearmost defender, it's offside. And, and as much as we want to see good goals, that was offside. I'm not sure quite how the assistant referee <laughs> saw it. Yeah. It's a different colour football boot. I think that's probably what helps him. But it's a correct decision, and we can't say it's wrong when it's not. It's definitely offside. It's the right decision. How he gets it right is your guess as good as mine. But his defender, Peter's there, his, his shoulder is actually the other side, isn't it? Yeah, but you can't play the ball with your shoulder. No, but there's more of his body, isn't there? More of his body onside than offside. No, yeah, it... it doesn't matter. It's the furthest point forward and the foot is in an offside position. There's no question. If you draw the line, it's a fraction, but it's offside. Graham, is there a chance there that the linesman's guessed? Because... He must have some eyesight if he's worked out that there's an orange boot offside in that situation at that speed, or has he guessed and got it right? I, I think you're probably right. Um, but I think one of the things you've got to do is, if he gets it wrong, then we have a go at him and we, we, we kind of harangue the assistant, oh, he should have seen that, he shouldn't. When he gets it right, surely we've got to praise him. If he guessed, if he just is brilliant, who knows? It doesn't matter as long as he gets the decision right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, yes. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to narrow down a good performance or bad performance of three factors, but we're going to try it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think, for me, the most important thing to look at mm -hmm. is not something that can, it's not necessarily a fact that can be, you know, written down, like, this is a stat that can be mm -hmm. written down or anything, but it's just the eye test. Do they... At least to me, do they look like they did well? Um, do they look like they performed? Do they look like whenever they got the ball in in important areas, they they performed well? Mm -hmm. But if I were to put it down, if I were to narrow things down into three three categories or so, three statistics, one would be would be passes or at least key passes, at least. Okay. Obviously, there's got like goals and assists, but. Uh, chances created, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, also, ball retention. So, I guess I guess that's kind of this is tough. I guess that's kind of two two of the same same two sides of the same coin. But I mean, you have so yeah, your passing percentage. Ultimately. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like if you had like I don't know seventy percent passing, uh, what's it called accuracy? Mm -hmm. Right. Completed seventy percent passes completed. 
that is like woof. That's nice. Eh. Uh, like hundred passes in a game. Let's say hundred passes in a game. Thirty of them was wrong. Yeah, thirty passes a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so high level there, right? But I mean, anyone can just sort of play it safe. True. Or like I mentioned, and just pass yes. it back. So in addition yeah. to your amount of passes that you that you or to addition in addition to your passing accuracy, also the key passes you've done okay. or the key chances you've created. Like, did this pass uh, result in an opportunity on goal or an opportunity to go forward and whatnot? Mm. Uh, so that would be one one if that could if we could. Use that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so basically, you're saying high percentage in passing, and also how many of your passes actually led to an opportunity right. to score a goal. Right. Cool. Cool. Something important for me, mm-hmm. like when you watch a game or even when you play, is runs. Mm. Like how much do you actually run? I mean, when you watch a game, if you see a player just standing around just shows me that he's not that involved. He's not really looking for get he's not really looking for to be in chances or create chances or do these passes to you, right? But this the flick side of like runs is also uh, not just going forward, is is going backwards right. too, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you just don't run forward. The, the pitch is a certain amount the size, right? Yeah. So among all the runs in meters for me is kind of showing to to me that okay, he's been running a lot around this pitch. He's been trying, you right. know. He's not being lazy and not you know involved. So that is the important factor. So do we have three factors now? We do have three factors now, right? Essentially, yeah. Essentially. So what if if we look at these three factors? And uh, just look up quickly what how Mr. Ozil's stats were in this game. So, do we think before we do that? Do we think are we are you saying that a player has to uh, do well in all three of these stats to have done had a good game? Yes. Okay. I'm, we compare between good and bad yeah. performance. And doesn't yeah it doesn't necessarily mean it was the best on the field right either, but right was based on the field is, if you score a goal. If you score a goal, it's hard to give any type of criticism, right? <laughs> but um, these three factors, are we happy about them? I think so, yeah. Okay, so... So let's run down again. Passing accuracy, amount of key passes or chances created, maybe. Right. And uh, your work rate, like how much you run off the ball. Excellent, the ball. Yeah. excellent. Will you look up... Um, will you look up amount of runs? <laughs> and I can look up the... Two other ones, if we can find it. While we're looking at, while we're m- making the quick research here, what do you think? For I know, Yeah, I, I know he created chances. Yeah, right. So he, he definitely created chances. Um, I don't normally look up statistics like these, but uh, I believe I have heard in the past, and I, I just watching it in... Uh, on TV as well. I do think Ozil runs and works harder than people give him credit for. Okay. Runs more and works harder than people give him credit for. Okay, I got something here on created chances, right? 
says Mesut Ozil created four chances today versus Stoke City. More than any other player. That's a that's a that's a good uh, stat for me. And it, more than any other player, right? Yeah. Four chances, four goal scoring opportunities. Here, here's another one. With passes. Okay, so um, it says Mesut Özil completed ninety-one passes, ninety-three percentage pass accuracy, more than any other player on the pitch. This is a lot too. Yes, this is a lot too. Um, now I'm not sure how many passes the wrist had, but. 91 passes, 93 pass accuracy, created four chances, and uh, let's look up, uh, let's see. Gotta find something like two passes, there we go, I think. How much is ran? At the moment, I can't find anything on distance covered. Um, if anyone listening knows how much distance was covered by each player or by Ozil during this game against Stoke, let us know through Twitter or email, whichever. But watching the game, I could see him moving. I could see him working hard. He doesn't have the demeanor of like a uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, who quite clearly looks. He's not as fast or play the same sort of position as Oxlade Chamberlain. Who you're going to see working up and down, working yeah. hard. But I mean, yeah. I think uh, the statistics on Ozil's the amount of co- uh, ground that Ozil covered, I think, would show that. He worked hard in that regard as well. He shows a lot of frustration. Yeah, he 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 does that. His body language on the field is that he he sends out a lot of frustration out with his arms. He's disappointed, and that kind of I think adds up in our perception of yeah what he's doing. You certainly, know? Um, certainly. So then the fans doesn't think he did that bad, but the pundits thought that even he's a liability. Well, the fans or some fans did. Some fans did. Quite divided. Yes. Um, I think that, and I believe you agree, that he did have a, a, a pretty good game. Arsenal as a whole had a pretty decent mm-hmm. game. I remember, I know we said definitely after those three things that we mentioned, the massive amount of passes or the passing percentage, important chances created, and as, as much and as hard as they worked, like running, in terms of running, in, and the amount game, of distance covered, yeah. then that shows a if all those checked high then the player did have a pretty good game even sorry though yeah, even yeah. the i also believe even if they did maybe now i'm thinking about it even maybe two of those things they could still have a pretty decent game pretty good game maybe they weren't asked to do as many as many passes to be that sort of facilitator maybe they weren't asked to to work their butt off up and down or maybe they weren't it's not their job to mm-hmm. play those key chance creating passes those three balls that create chances but i think i think if two certainly if two of those three if not all three are marked pretty high then i think the player had a pretty big impact on the game so you think we can apply that even in the team full for everybody for everybody yeah yeah uh, how much possession did Arsenal have in this game? Well, I was looking, and Arsenal had 
uh, I think by the end of it, 77% possession. I don't think possession is everything no, in it's soccer. Not. Clearly, it wasn't this game. No. But there are times when possession shows that you are in control and you maybe you dominate the game, you dominate maybe, the game essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I, apparently, this was the most possession Arsenal have had in the Premier League game since the uh, Invincible season, wow. since 2003 2004. Um, Ozil alone created four or so key chances in this game. Uh, wow, that's insane. So they had a lot of ball possession and control the game, basically. So not bad from that standpoint. Mr. Ozil, we support you, man. We believe in you. And uh, whatever the people saying or the critics saying, man, just keep doing what you're doing. And Ozil, we are supporters of you. We believe in you and we believe that you are the right person for this Arsenal team. And... Uh, even though you are under a lot of criticism and it's easy to point the fingers at you, we believe that you are incredible soccer player. My man, Masood. <laughs> Don't let anyone else get to you. Don't, know, we man. know we see yeah. we see the work that you put in. Yeah. The stuff that that maybe other people that are blinded by bias or anger or whatever mm-hmm. can't see. Mm-hmm. We see the work you put in integral part of the team just like not just you but any other player any yeah. other player i mean people can have bad games but just most players do a lot more work than is realized mm-hmm. than it's realized um we also see the part that you want to do but because of your surrounding you sometimes can't do it we, we see that too right sure. we see sure. that too and uh, we really think that for your next game, if Mr. Oz listens now, right? For the game away at... He is, because I'm here. He's listening. Yeah, you guys are buddies, yeah, right? Yeah, And uh, that you can listen to this song while you're entering Anfield. Kind of boost your confidence a little bit, your proudness over yourself, and that you can just go in and score at least one goal. We need one goal. I believe he would score, you know? I believe he All would right. score. I believe he would score. And... Uh, it's tough when you always turn to yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you always go to yourself and like even criticize yourself. It's the hardest p- thing is like we talked about keeping this bad energy on the outside. Like what people say, what they write, whatever. You can keep that on the outside. But we are not in as extreme situation as soccer players are we and and for us it's more about ourselves being kind to ourselves being nice to ourselves try to you know motivate ourselves instead of being this bully being this talk bad about yourself or not thinking that highly of yourself or you can't manage or you can't achieve things that you want to and that's the hard part to really you know move away and and keep that away and keep it positive especially if you have the if you're say if a professional soccer player mm-hmm. and you have all these fans watching you Oof. and if they're upset with you the whole it seems like the whole world is against you yeah then i mean who else who who's gonna who's gonna encourage you if not yourself you exactly. have to be yourself right exactly 
Exactly. If it's not you, then nobody will. Yeah. So then Oz, when you, or moments when you have been insecure. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do to turn things around for yourself? It took me a long time, man. But I, I, when I was, I remember one specific moment when felt like this is not me. You know what I mean? Like, why am I, you know, afraid or like hesitating? And what it taught me was that how far away I am from loving myself at that point. Like, I realized, like, wow, you know, like, you don't really appreciate yourself. You don't really give yourself credit. I mean, you're so far away from loving yourself. So it started a journey where I started more and more like myself and love myself. And with that, it came more courage. And when you change your internal world, you will change your external world as well. And we are here to do this love revolution. And we are in this movement. We And I'm started this Oscotch movement. And now we're here, Kerry. You started it? I started it, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to spread the love revolution around the world. And keep this movement going. And we appreciate that you listen to this episode. And we're really hoping that you, together with us, can take this song in. And for once, please, for once, allow yourself to feel that you're the man. Thank you for listening to Oz, Hutch, and King Soccer Podcast Show. Yeah.